I would like to open your uh, Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, page 1174 of the Church Bible. I'm going to read and uh, um, I'm going to pray that the Lord will open the eyes of our hearts that we might know the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. So let's, let's read God's word and let's pray. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the, by the Spirit of God's holy apostles uh, and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharing together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, that he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And then I pray as we come to God's word together. Heavenly Father, our prayer is that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people and in your incomparable great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last two years has been some whirlwind of difficult events, hasn't it? I mean, two years has flown by. We've planted for three years and Almost two of those years have been spent in COVID, lockdown, and all sorts. A global pandemic that has claimed many lives in such a short time. Some of those lives close to us. The death of George Floyd has raised the question about our claim to be a tolerant and globalized society. The death of loved ones that's shaking us to the core. Not to mention the lingering effect of being cocooned indoors in the height of the pandemic. So that maybe, maybe that's raised some questions for some of you and your families about God. See, if God is there, what is he doing? What is he really up to? Maybe you're not even interested in trying to tell people about Jesus because you just don't know how to answer the difficult questions going on. Maybe that's even raised questions in your mind. 
What on earth is God doing? If this so-called God exists, is he even worth knowing? And, and suppose we can figure out exactly what God is doing. Suppose you can work it out. What might that be? See, the answer I guarantee you never came up in that initial Cobra meeting with Boris Johnson that he had with the stage team. Neither did it come up in any subsequent meeting. It wouldn't come up this week in Parliament. The answer was not suggested in the last G7 summit in 2021. Neither did it feature in the proposals of the COP26 conference last year. Uh, but well, maybe God is willing to join forces with the powers that be and the wise of the world to roll out the COVID vaccine to end the pandemic. Is that what he's doing? What is God doing today? Well, that is a good question. Good question. But this is, this is the simple answer. Brace yourself. Sit back. The church. Uh, look with me at chapter 3, verse 10. His, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Uh, perhaps you, you just shifted uncomfortably in your seat when I said that. The church. And I mean, just how important is the church in, in your mind, in our minds? Uh, let me put it like this. Is there anything you will be willing to go to prison for? Chapter 3, verse 1. Or, chapter 3, verse 10. What do you think unsettles Satan? Demonic powers. <laughs> the answer to both those questions is, the church. Paul, willing to go to prison. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. According to verse 10, it's the wisdom that befriends Satan. Though a prisoner, Paul, you see, is captivated by what God is doing, that he sees himself as a privileged person to be in prison. And he wants you and I to grasp the wonder that's captivated him. And there are two points that I think comes out of that today. The first is this, the mystery revealed. The mystery revealed, verse 2 to 7. So I wonder, do you ever have moments when you're praying and your mind just kind of, whew, somewhere else, you're thinking about something else? Well, Paul's intention in chapter 3, verse 1 was to pray. Notice, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, you're like, what? Pray. Just look at chapter 3, verse 13 to 14 and see what begins to happen. It picks it up again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. He wanted to pray 
And then his mind went, whoop! But you see, he wasn't really distracted. He's captivated. See, all through Ephesians so far, Paul has been showcasing God's grace. God has blessed us with every heavenly blessing in Christ, chapter 1, verse 3. While we were dead in our transgressions and sins, God showed his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ, chapter 2. But something important, though not unrelated, is on Paul's mind here. And he will pick up the prayer again, like I said, in chapter 3, verse 14. But for now, Paul takes a detour to make known what God is doing. And he's rolling it. Look at me at verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And what's the administration of God's grace given to Paul for the Ephesians? Verse 3. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as has been now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Uh, the word mystery comes up in this passage four times. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, verse 9. And now you may be forgiven if you started thinking of your favorite mystery drama, as you heard the word mystery. I like a bit of death in paradise myself. So, But, now while death in paradise may be an accurate association of that word mystery in English, it would be quite misleading for what Paul is saying in our passage. Here it means something that was not known to humans in previous generations, verse 5. Now it is made known by revelation. Paul verse 3. It isn't that this thing is some random thing that's popped up. It's that God is hidden it in himself for all generations. And just imagine the privilege. You're sitting here today. And Isaiah didn't get it. The prophet. Jeremiah didn't get it. Moses didn't get it. Hidden. Now revealed to you. A revelation by God. God's spirit to his apostles and prophets. The previously hidden mystery is now an open secret. Paul, see, is possibly alluding to his experience on the road to Damascus. He was about to go kill Christians and put them in prison. And then he's smacked by a bright light in the middle of the day. And then Jesus appears to him. And it's like, you're going to be my servant to go tell people about me. Chosen by Christ. And then this mystery is revealed to him, verse 5. So the question is, what is this mystery? This now open secret. Look at verse 4, end of verse 4. The mystery is Christ. Something is written about before in verse 3 that the Ephesians know about. But the thing is that there's a, there's a shock about this mystery. That there is more pointed. It's Christ, yes, but something more pointy and perhaps shocking. Verse 6. 
The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. The Gentiles are part of God's people. If you don't know the shock of that, seriously, Gentiles, the first century person, Jews, Here's that, and he goes, what? God's promises through Abraham, and in Moses, and in Israel, and he gives them promises and promises and promises and promises and promises. And you never hear him making any promises to Gentiles. And then now, Paul goes, all that, yours too. See, in the past, God worked through Israel. And he worked through Israel for the nations, for Gentiles. But nonetheless, through Israel, just through Israel. You want to know God then? You got to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> like, imagine. You need to know God. Get on the plane. Well, they had none. Well, good luck. You go to the temple. But God's plan was not to bring Gentiles to know him in the same way, the same old way, as if the Gentiles had to become Jews to know God. It was never part of his plan. He just hadn't revealed it. Access to God was not going to be found in Jewishness. Then how? Well, the mystery was the that once... It was hidden for ages, past, but now revealed by God's grace. Namely, Jews and Gentiles alike will be brought into God's family in exactly the same way. And not the temple. In Christ Jesus through the gospel. In other words, don't go to Jerusalem. Stay where you are. You hear about Jesus. Who you trust in him. The mystery is is a double union with God through Christ and to one another. Jews and Gentiles. There was a big division between them. God's purpose, a hidden but now open secret, the mystery of Christ, is that God has created a new humanity in Christ. From two people who were enemies. Chapter 2 verse 15. They would never have anything to do with one another. Through the death of Jesus. Jews and Gentiles become one new humanity. Through the common reconciliation to God through the cross. What a glorious revelation. And maybe we don't really fit. We just don't get the hit of that. Because we don't know the kind of division that existed between Jews and Gentiles. I mean, the best they could do for one another was to refer to each other by derogatory names. And now in the church, they sit next to each other and eat. A revelation otherwise unknown, but now given to Paul by God's grace. Verse 2. Empowered by, by God to be literally 
verse 7, a slave to this gospel. See, Paul may be chained to a Roman guard and humiliated for this gospel, but it is such a privilege that he doesn't want the Ephesians to be discouraged by his imprisonment. Verse 13. Don't be discouraged. No! God is at work. Paul would rather proclaim this mystery and be imprisoned than fail to make it known. And that's our second point. The mystery must be proclaimed. Verse 8 to 13. The mystery must be proclaimed. Look at me verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. I mean, you can almost feel Paul's excitement. Right? He's in prison, chained to a God. And you can feel the joy. Yes, he was suffering, verse 1. Yes, in prison. But it is for the sake of you Gentiles, verse 1. Verse 2, God's grace was given to me for you, that is Gentiles. Verse 6, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Verse 8, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. I get to proclaim the mysteries to you, Gentiles. See, Paul's acutely aware he deserves nothing from God. He calls himself less than the least of all the Lord's people. Verse 8, I mean like, seriously? This guy, single-handedly, almost turned the whole world upside down, preaching the gospel. And he goes, I'm nothing. But he understands. To proclaim this, verse 7, is God's grace. Given to you. And do you see what Paul commissioned to proclaim? Verse 8, the boundless riches of Christ. Uh, that word Christ is not Jesus' surname. <laughs> it's a title. Messiah, the king. And the first century Jews were looking forward to the coming Messiah, the one who will rescue them and defeat their enemies. Sure enough, Jesus came in fulfillment of that. Yet the benefit of what he did was not for the Jews only, but also for the excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God, far away Gentiles, like you and me. Seriously, you feel the force of that. Those boundless riches of spiritual blessings, of right standing with God, adoption as God's children, forgiveness of sins, the gift of His Spirit, are for you too. Gentiles, non-Jews. See, it may, it may be that the pandemic has brought into sharper focus our, our frailty and powerlessness in the face of death. But, but you see, physical death pales in comparison to the coming judgment of God. Better to know right standing with God now than meet God's judgment then. See, what what would we give to guarantee peace of mind that we and our family would be safe from COVID? 
Yes, better God's adopted child with COVID than meet his rejection without COVID. You see, Paul, so to speak, has the vaccine made by God. It is free and there's no question about its effectiveness. No booster needed for a, strain, uh, a new strain of sin virus. Forgiveness is guaranteed immunity for now. And a welcome into God's eternal kingdom with no quarantine or isolation period required before entry. The boundless riches of Christ. And Paul understands his role to administer that mystery to others, non-Jews like you and me. He was to inform everyone of it, verse 9. And the word to make plain in verse 9 is literally bring to light. He was to enlighten everyone, all humanity, everyone, about the miracle of the gospel in uniting Jews and Gentiles in one new humanity, the church. See, Paul's experience, I must say, is quite unique. He's an apostle of Jesus. He got this administration from Jesus. And yet, I believe he's a model for us. You see, through Paul, to those in Ephesus, and to us today, we now also know this mystery, don't we? It is the now open secret. And we should join Paul in proclaiming this good news. Whether it's mission week in March, or tomorrow morning. Not just because we have to, but because we get to. We get to join Paul in telling others about this mystery. But not only that, we also get to display this mystery. This is where rubber hits the road. That is why God is bringing that mystery to light now. Look at verse 10. Why is it doing it? Why is it bringing it to light? Hidden for generations and now brought to light. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let me just come back to that question at the beginning in your hearts that your friends might be asking. What's God doing in the world today? This afternoon. Says Paul, through the church, God is displaying his wisdom to spiritual realms. The word manifold in verse 10 is many colored. A word used uh, to describe the many colored coat of Joseph that his father Jacob gave to him in Genesis 37. I, I, I don't know if you're a Marvel fan, but in, in the Marvel Avengers series, there was a scene um, in the Battle of New York that the portal opened in the sky. And you start seeing these creatures previously unseen, just scary things coming out of the sky. And you hope the Avengers turn up 
See, Paul's point in verse 10 is that there are unseen realities and authorities in the heavenly realm. Boy, they are they scary. It's not a film. And they're probably the evil powers that Paul goes on to later mention in chapter 6, verse 12. There are evil forces that oppose God, and boy, do they wreak havoc among humanity. Unseen realities, but boy, their effects are real. And it is as though God takes them on a tour of his plan. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what wise thing is God doing? How might he take them? Uh, number 10. No. Buckingham Palace. God, no. COP26 conference. No. How about the G7 summit? United Nations conference. God, no. See, Satan, this spiritual power, they're not, they're not threatened by any of those. No. Are they distracted by it? It's like when these powers show up, coming out of the sky in a Marvel movie, and one random everyday person goes, What are you doing? And they go, What? Smack. And Captain America and the rest of them show up and they go, Oh boy. <laughs> God, God goes, Yeah, 4 p.m. Sunday, Gracious Broccoli. Seriously? That's what you're doing, God. <laughs> now, <laughs> they hear that. And there's a real knee-knocking experience for these evil forces. Can you imagine that? Uh, as one author puts it, that's how God blows a raspberry to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> if God really wants to stick it to the devil, so to speak, he just points to his church. God's wisdom is made known in the unity of Jews and Gentiles in Christ. The unity of a diverse group of people like you here this afternoon. Who otherwise would not be united? I mean, why did you come today? You really like the person next to you? Yeah, okay. GCB, you, your very experience and conduct are making known how great God's plan of salvation is. Both to people and to powers. You see, there's a reality here in your gathering right now that embodies the beauty and the supremacy and the triumph of Jesus. According to chapter 1 verse 10, God is bringing all things together under Christ. Uniting all things in heaven and on earth. And the unity of a diverse group of people like here today, under Christ, is an illustration of that. It's happening. Your gathering displays the many-colored wisdom of what God is doing to unite people who otherwise would be at enmity. I am just think back. Just you know, 50 years, 60 years, 100 years ago, some of you would not be sitting in the same seat. Right? But is that, is that what you think of your local church? What we just heard. See, let me tell you, there's, there's been no greater hostility that's happened between two people 
than between Jews and Gentiles. It's massive. Yet this volatile diversity of people, Jews and Gentiles, or, or perhaps here today, more broadly speaking, different color skins, social status, poor, wealthy, educated, uneducated, now united. I mean, surely, verse 11, this is God's plan. This is according to God's eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only God can do that. Any attempt to unite people apart from the gospel is a royal waste of time. United Nations, are they really? G7 summit. Or was it not formally G8? Well, take it. They couldn't align with their thinking. Apartheid in South Africa was said to be over, or did it? Perhaps on the surface. May 2020, the killing of George Floyd just revealed racism is still very much alive with us in 2021 and 2022. According to Genesis 11, any attempt at unity apart from God, the Creator, is an affront to God's rule and a pompous display of human human ingenuity and strength. We can do without God. Get away from us. But such unity won't work. Because that's not what God is doing. See, unseen wars of hostility still persist among humans. We just dress them up really well. That's all that George Floyd and stuff like that is revealing. We keep telling ourselves, oh, it's 2021. How does racism still exist? Because human beings exist. And sin exists. Just ask a footballer who, on Friday night, missed a penalty, loved by his own fans, simultaneously racially abused, because he missed a penalty. Not even football can accomplish such unity. Neither would a better education plan. Curriculums won't solve it. It's not a physical problem. Unseen wars of hostility will not fall with human attempts at unity. Because the problem is sin. Only in the gospel Will the wall of hostility between us and God and between one another be destroyed? Why? Verse 12. Only in Him, Christ, and through faith in Him, can we approach God with freedom and confidence. Faith in Christ is the great leveler. You can't come to God with any presumption of superiority. Of race, of class, color, education, gender, it won't work. The great leveler, sinners, every one of us, access to God, Christ. And the gospel creates a new humanity that exists only by faith alone in Jesus 
alone. The church, this diverse, multiracial, multinational, multigeneral, generational creation of God in Christ is what God is doing today. Now, you just take time as we come to glory. Just take time and just observe the people here right now. It may be your wife, your husband, parents, children, friend. See, what unites you is more than just your marriage, your blood, or your Netflix preferences. Faith in Christ unites us beyond family ties and Netflix. The church, this church, this local church, is God's display of wisdom. Well, you, you mean us? You get into foolish squabble with one another and emphasize our differences and preferences sometimes? Yes, you! You, the church. Not this building. You are who God points to to build a raspberry to heavenly powers and authorities. The hostile powers that wrestle against you. Therefore, Paul will gladly suffer, verse 1, and be imprisoned. And so should we. Christ died to reconcile us to God, but also to one another in this new humanity. Listen, whether you like it or not, your family forever. Get used to it. So the the church is not an option option for you if you trust in Jesus. It really isn't. It's God's plan. It's where God is displaying his wisdom to powers and authorities. So let me end with this question or this statement. Next time you wonder whether you should invite someone to church, think about this. Because God wants to display his wisdom. Let's pray. Father, you are wise beyond our comprehension. I know that we would give up our folly to your wisdom. Particularly help us to respond to what you are doing. Not to be ashamed, no matter how weak and feeble The church may look now. Please may we be convinced that there is no plan B. This is all that you are doing. And please help us to trust your plan. In Jesus' name. Amen.